Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark, chapter 8. Mark 8. And again, as we continue our study through this book, we look today at how Jesus heals people. You know, and so when we have a Lord that loves us, that guides us and helps us, we have someone that will uh, give us that that we need. And so by healing us, by touching us, restoring us. And friends, a lot of times it isn't a, fee- a healing touch as far as maybe the flu or a cold, but sometimes it's emotional or in your feelings or in your heart or the way you look at somebody else. We need to be healed and touched by him. So allow the Lord to minister to you in a way of healing, perhaps that you've not known before. As we look at this, we find Jesus ministering to a man who was blind. Now, we find here in verse 22, and let's just look at this together. Then Jesus came to Bethesda. Now, now by the way, Bethesda was an interesting town. Jesus, in a couple places in the scripture, had made reference to Bethesda, and he said, Oh, Bethesda, if the miracles that were done in you were done in these other towns, they would have repented long ago. Bethesda was known for their lack of faith. As we'll get down here a little bit farther, you'll see why. And so Jesus is in Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him, and they begged him to touch him. Now, this is interesting, because evidently, maybe this blind man didn't even want to be touched by Jesus. The old saying, I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, here's a good illustration of that. Because here, they brought the blind man to Jesus, and they asked Jesus to heal him. Now, friends, I look at this interestingly enough because Jesus honors the prayers of others for someone else. Now, that's the truth. That doesn't mean that a person will go to heaven because of somebody else, because that's ultimately that person's decision. But when you ask God to intervene in somebody else's life, friends, God does. And that's why I believe intercessory prayer is such an important part of a believer's life. That means you pray, continue to pray for your kids that maybe aren't walking with the Lord. Or maybe if they are, that they'll continue to walk with the Lord. Or those parents that maybe aren't right with God, that you continue to pray for them. Because all the way through the Bible, even James tells us, that disciple of Jesus says, the fervent prayers of a righteous person or a righteous man availeth much. And so we know that God will hear the prayers of people who love him. And so they bring this blind man to Jesus. So he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the town. Now, again, if you didn't understand the nature of Bethesda, you might not understand that line. Why did they lead? Why did Jesus lead this man out of Bethesda? You know, again, you don't want to see the miracles of God. Let me tell you something. You won't see him. There are those people that even when Jesus would go about healing people, raising people from the dead, they still fought with the spirit of God. And so Bethesda, again, if you look over at Luke, uh, just write this down in your Bible, Luke 10, 13, you'll find one of those verses about Jesus basically condemning Bethesda because of the way the town was and their lack of faith. And so he led him out of town by the hand. And when he had had spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him and he asked him if he saw anything. Now, 
um, Jesus spit on his eyes, kind of probably spit on his hands and then touched his eyes. Well, what do you see? Well, the blind man responds and says, he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Whoa, what is that? You know, this is the only instance that we find. And by the way, this is the only place that we find uh, this story. And it was recorded by Mark. And it's the only place that we find in Scripture where Jesus' healing was progressive. Usually when Jesus laid his hands on somebody, prayed for somebody, they were instantly healed. Interestingly enough, here's a place in the scripture where we find that Jesus prayed for a man. He was not completely healed. And now notice this. Jesus then puts his hands on his eyes, verse 25, and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So it's noteworthy that Jesus here, by the way, didn't spit on his eyes again. You know what? Because people like formulas. I think it's interesting here that Jesus didn't uh, go back and do what he did before. You know why? Because people like to find patterns. Well, well tell me the formula. In, in fact, you'll, you, sometimes you'll even go to, into bookstores sometimes or even Christian bookstores and look for the formula how to be healed or look for the formula on how to have everything you want. You know, they begin to believe in their formulas more than in God. Again, if I do certain things, the direct result. You see, what brought a man, uh, uh, this man's healing about was not a formula, but it was God. And, and, and faith in Christ. Again, these guys brought this man to Jesus, and Jesus healed him. Now, again, you think about this for a minute in your life. How many times would we like to just have a formula to make things happen? Well, we think it follows the laws of thermodynamics. You know, you do this, 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 and this is the result. Well, friends, there is this, 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 but it isn't things that we do, it's things that God does. And it's the life in faith. Again, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And again, faith is not parking your brain in a parking lot when you walk into church. There is evidence for our faith as Christians. I think that's really important to remember. All the way through the scriptures, you'll find different things that are stated, different places that are mentioned, different rivers, streams, cities, coinages, all these different things that are mentioned. And you know what? You can go to Israel today and find all these things. There's evidence for your faith. Not only can you see what God has done in your life, but you can see what God has done in the life of others. There's irrefutable evidence for faith. Again, friends, it isn't just saying, well, I believe it because that's just what I believe. I get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, no, no, no. You can't go by that. I have found warm, fuzzy feelings can be brought on by bad pizza late at night. I have found that there's all kinds of different things that we could put our faith, hope, and trust in that do not necessarily have any evidence for that. Again, there is evidence for your faith in God. And so when this man was brought to Jesus, this man evidently did not have the faith in himself, but people around him did. And again, this is where I believe every one of us comes in to the story. I always like to find myself in Scripture because then that helps me know what I'm supposed to be doing in regards to what everybody else is doing. And even though other people around me may be blind, and friends, we live in a world that is spiritually blind. They don't know the difference between what is acceptable to God and what isn't acceptable to God. Look at some of the crazy TV programs that we have um, that, that somehow represent some type of spirituality, and it's so far from biblical Christianity that people begin to believe that more than what the Bible says because that's all they've ever seen of God. Do you know what? The, that's where you come in. You're a different standard. You're you're a truth bearer, you might say. And where they're blind, we want to bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you heal this person? You know what? God's good pleasure is to heal. I I think this is interesting. Notice, let's, let's go back. Verse 22 again. 
And they came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him, and they begged him to touch him. But Jesus said, let him come on his own if he wants to be healed. Does that sound like the Lord we serve? Not so. When this man was brought to Jesus, Jesus responded to his need. Friends, he honored those who had faith, even though perhaps this man who was blind did not have faith. Now again, I wonder oftentimes in our lives how often God calls upon you and me to have faith for somebody else. You might say, well, Mike, that's a pretty heavy burden to bear. Remember this, though. The Bible says any faith that you have in God, God's given it to you in the first place. I like that. So that means that if I can believe in God, I can believe in God for somebody else. And that's why we continue to pray for people that are blind and lost in their sinful condition. Because again, friends, unless God shines that light called conviction in our soul that causes us to say, Lord, I'm on the wrong road, we're going to stay on that wrong road. And you know, oftentimes it is brought by you. And I believe this sincerely, that the reason why we're all here today is somebody prayed for us. Whether it was Jesus himself there in in the book of John chapter 17, or whether it was a grandma or a grandpa or somebody else that prayed for us, That we would figure out what God wants for our lives. Friends, you know, the things in the Spirit are not discerned by the flesh. They're discerned by the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, as we get into this next little piece here, you're going to find out how important it is that if you know who God is, God has shown you who He is. Notice, let's go into verse 27. Wait a minute, before we do that. He saw everyone clearly. Verse 26. And he sent him his way to his house, saying, now notice this is what Jesus says, neither go into town nor tell anyone in the town. Wow. (laughs) Now, I didn't say he couldn't tell anybody. He said, just don't tell people in that town. Again, you don't want to see the miracles of God. You won't see the miracles of God. And you know, God has a way of concealing what he's doing, even though people, because of their doubting, if they don't want to know, God's not going to let them see. Again, I want to know what God's doing. Don't you want to know what God's doing? I want to keep my eyes wide open. You know, again, we live in these days, and you know, we as Christians, we're a little sensitive towards end time things. And, and, and we look at it as we go, wow, Lord, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 24, Luke 21 says, these are the beginning of sorrows, and, and uh, the Bible talks about pestilences, and we understand that. But it's interesting, people of the world, they see the pandemics, they see the hurricanes, they see all these crazy things. You know, uh, we talked about this last Sunday night. When you look since Christmas, how many people and how many trillions of dollars of damage have happened just because of the sea in, since, since Christmas? Friends, you understand then more of what Luke 21 talks about with the sea and the waves roaring. I'll tell you, we look at this world and it's not what... We always thought it was. You know, uh, we've had things go on in our lives before. We've seen things happen, but not all at once, not all at the same time. And we as Christians look at this and we go, wow, Lord, looks like you might be coming back. See, to us as Christians, we can interpret the data. People that are not Christians can't. The world maybe doesn't want to see what's going on. They want to blame it on global warming or whatever. You know, they were talking about this succession of hurricanes that they had back in 1915. Well, that wasn't blot on by global warming. What was it brought on by? Listen, we live in a world of cyclic phenomenon. But you know, I'll tell you something. When you see it all happening at the same time, friends, Jesus said, look up, your redemption draws nigh. This world is in a constant state of de-evolution ever since man sinned in the garden. We saw a rapid acceleration of that after the flood. And that's why you see the crazy weather patterns that we see around the world. You know, the Bible says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Some of you remember the story in Genesis. It says it was like a well-watered garden, like the Lord's garden, it says. But by the time of King David, it was a desert. 
We see this broadening change in our ecosystem ever since the fall of man. Oh, I'm not saying that man, maybe 21st century man, isn't increasing it and hurrying it along. But friends, the Bible says these are things that you need to be looking at and you can see what's going on. Blind people, people in the world don't see it. And you know something? It takes people with insight like you that know the Word of God to point to them and say, look, something is going on very monumental. Something is, not, it, it, something is happening and things are not going to remain the way as they are. You think $3 a gallon of gas, friends, is expensive. Wait till a billion Chinese start their engine and find out what's going to happen to your gas prices. You know, I, I, I want to encourage you. you. You need to be looking for the upper taker. And uh, the Bible says that God's going to come back. Jesus is going to come and take his church home one of these days. And I look forward to that. You know, any day now, I believe the Lord can come and get us. And again, not predicated upon your righteousness or mine of God taking us, but upon his righteousness clothing us. And so I want to just encourage you about that. Again, people do not see and understand what they're looking at. Notice in this next part, verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked the disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah and others, and some of them say one of the prophets of old. And he answered them, But who do you say that I am? Now now this is important. Here Jesus says, Who do people say that I am? They have their different remarks. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? You know, there's a lot of different opinions of who Christ is. There's a lot of different ideas of religion and philosophy out there. But when it comes down, Jesus asks this question, what do you believe about me? This is what, they, what Jesus asked. And notice what he says. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. And then he charged them that they should tell no one about this. Now again, I believe the reason why Jesus said that was because, again, Jesus came to be the Messiah. There had been a lot of Messiahs that had come along in those days, just as there is today, whether it's Sung Young Moon or others that come along and say that they are now the new Messiah. But you know what? Jesus said, don't tell anyone about this. Not forever, just for now. Because Jesus was going to make proof of his Messiahship. And here's the reason why and how he was going to do it. You see, all the way through the Old Testament... The Bible tells us that there was going to be a supreme sacrifice of God. And again, you look at Isaiah 53, where it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities, and God laid upon Him the sins or the iniquities of us all. Now again, Jesus said, I am the Messiah, but don't tell anybody until I own up and prove up to what I am. There's a lot of people that come along and make claims. But very few people are ever willing to die for their claims. You see, Jesus is the one that came along and he said, listen, I'll show and prove to everyone who I am. So he charged the disciples not to say anything. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after this three days rise again. And he spoke this word openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You know you're in trouble when you pull Jesus aside and tell Jesus that he's wrong. (laughs) Now, I like Peter because I see a lot of Peter in me and a lot of Peter in other people that I've met in my life. And, And the thing is, is that how many times have we went to the Lord and say, you know, God, you're doing this wrong? 
Because we base our conversation oftentimes with God, which we call prayer, based upon our perception of issues. Not stepping back and getting the big picture. And I believe a lot of times, friends, and I think this is great, that the next verse, imagine if we didn't serve a loving God. And so Jesus spoke this word openly, verse 32. Peter took him aside and began to openly rebuke him. Verse 33, and Jesus fried him on the spot. No, it doesn't say that. Now, again, this shows me the mercy of God. Shows us that God understands what we are, what we're made of. And that Jesus did not fry him on the spot. You know, you think about it sometimes, friends, the way we've all talked to God. Some of the things we've said to God, either out of fit of rage or out of our feelings being hurt. And yet the Lord continues to work with us and love us and minister to us. Again, people had these different concepts of who Jesus was. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. By this time, John the Baptist was dead and, and we remember that uh, Herod had him, had him beheaded. And so some people believe that Jesus was John the Baptist come back to life. And others thought he was one of the prophets of old or somebody else that was great. But Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? You see, people will always get their information wrong. That's why you're obligated by God's word to know what you believe and the reason why you believe it. And that's why you need to be writing, reading the Bible on your own. Listen, friends, there are going to be people that you're going to cross paths with in your life that are going to challenge what you are, what you believe, and why you believe it. And, and I, I think a, a tough thing to say is, well, I believe it because I go, to the, you know, I go to Calvary and that's what they believe. I mean, that's tough. You need to know what you believe. Well, I go to this church and there's only two churches and that's what I believe. Well, okay, broken record. But why do you believe that? And if you can't make a defense for your faith, friends, that shows us that we need to sharpen our skills so that we can make defense for our faith. If somebody was to ask you, and this is one of the things that I get asked oftentimes, how do I know the Bible's true? How do I know that a bunch of really smart guys a long time ago got in a candlelit room and drew this thing up to really fool a lot of people? I mean, have you ever, anybody ever had anybody ask them that question? How do I know the Bible? How do you know the Bible's true? I have. I don't know why they ask me a lot. Maybe I just have the look of, ask me why I know the Bible's true. I don't know. But you know one of the things I love to tell them about? And you know, you can always use it as a time of witnessing. In fact, I think any question posed by the world is an opportunity to witness. Whether they'll say something like, do you really believe Jesus is God? That's an opportunity to witness. Do you really think the world's coming to an end? That's an opportunity to witness. Do you really think the Bible is, is God's word? That's an opportunity to witness. Whenever the world asks a question, I think we need to be able to give them an answer. When somebody asks me, well, how do you know the Bible's true? Well, again, we look at this. People had a lot of goofy ideas who Jesus was. But Jesus chose to reveal to his disciples who he was. In fact, in another place in Scripture, another one of the Gospels, when, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the only Son of God, Jesus said this. He said, Flesh and blood, Peter, has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So to just know who God is, God's shown you that. A lot of people say, Well, I've never heard God's voice. Well, if you know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, you have had God speak to your heart. You've heard God's voice. But you know, when somebody asks me, Well, how do you know the Bible's true? Well, you know what? One third of the Bible's prophecy. Whether something that the Bible was predicting that would happen and did, 
or whether the Bible was predicting something at that time that was about to happen, or whether the Bible is predicting what's going to happen in our world in the days to come. Only the Bible has prophecy in it. All the other religious books of the world leave that out. And it's all so gray and ununderstandable that they have to twist it to make it fit something. But you know, when you look at Luke 21, where Jesus said, "...in Jerusalem will be trodden by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled." And friends, since 1967, Jerusalem has been under Jewish control. And then Jesus, farther on in that same chapter, says, The generation that sees these events is the last generation. Friends, I know the Word of God's true. When you look at uh, Revelation chapter 13, and towards the end of the chapter there, it says, No one's going to be able to buy or sell without the mark, the name, or the number on their hand or on their forehead as they sell their soul to the world system as they reject Christ for the last time. I can see a world that's racing towards buying and selling with numbers. The problem of identity theft is a number one problem among retailers and among uh, among, uh, uh, businesses in America. I knew one man that was a, a leading official and he says, I just wish that when a child is born they would tattoo their social security number on them. He didn't even know what he was saying. But it's exactly what the Bible says. And so we understand that the Bible is very accurate as it explains what is going to happen in the future. And so if it knows those things that have not yet happened, how much more does God know about you and me each day? And where the Bible says we are going by accepting Him as our Savior, spending eternity with Him, or where we are going by rejecting Him and spending our eternity separated in hell from Him forever. So we understand that we have a a relationship with God that that transcends time, space, and matter. And friends, again, when people come along and they don't know who Jesus is because they're not sensitive to spiritual things. Just as in the story before, this man was blind and their friends brought him to Jesus. I think there's a lot of blind people, friends, that we know that we need to bring to Jesus. Because they got a lot of really goofed up ideas of who God is. Again, when you start listening to... Uh, Some of the songs, uh, speaking of eternity and things from a materialistic standpoint or a godless uh, standpoint, trying to describe spiritual things. Or, again, when you watch some of these programs on TV, touched by an angel, and people begin to pray to their angels now and stuff. Hey, the Bible, nowhere in the scripture says we should ever pray to an angel, try to have conversations with angels. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen in the scripture. But again, this is something that Bible says that we are to have a relationship with God, not with anything else. And so, again, there's people that are are not sensitive to spiritual things that I believe that's why, you know, a lot of times I think we all get frustrated in our life and we go, you know, God, just can't we just get raptured today? I've had a bad week and, you know, it'd just be good to get out of here. You know, we feel that way. I know I feel that way. But God tells us, hey, listen, I've left you here for a reason. You follow me. I'll take care of the rest. You know, the Bible tells us that that if we uh, seek God's will, he'll take care of us. It's God's good pleasure to take care of you. You be about your father's business, and he'll take care of that. Well, let's go back to this. He says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and by the chief priests and the scribes. Now, friends, what he's saying here is Jesus is, he says, I'm going to be rejected by all the religious people that you've ever known. That's pretty hard. To believe in somebody that goes so against the grain of the established religious status quo, Jesus is saying, this is what they're going to do to me. Notice, he says, rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and then be killed 
But three days, I'll rise again. Another place in the scripture, it says the disciples heard it, went in one ear and out the other. They didn't want to understand that. They didn't want to hear that. You know why? Because it didn't fit in their understanding. You see, as they saw Jesus coming in on Palm Sunday, uh, descent of the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem, people waving palm branches, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed as he comes in the name of the Lord. And they're all thinking, finally, we're going to be something. Jesus is setting up his, 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 his kingdom. And by the way, he was. That's what that was all about. And he went into the temple, and we remember the Jews rejected him. They rejected their king on that Palm Sunday. They crucified him about a week later. And uh, again, he fulfilled what the Bible says that they would do to him. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's Time.